I am so glad that you are here taking some time out, though, from the beautiful weather to uh, gather as a church and just uh, we can dig into the word. Uh, That's what I hope to do tonight in just um, a little bit of a different message, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Last week, we finished out our series on the books of First and Second Peter. I was really, really thankful to go through those. Uh, Really excited to um, just keep reflecting on all the things that we were uh, learning in that series, and I'm glad that we had the privilege to walk through that. Uh, Next week, I hope to start a series uh, on the book of Philippians. Uh, The book of Philippians is a book I've been wanting to go through for a while. It's actually my mom's favorite book of the Bible, uh, so I know she'll be happy to know that I'm preaching through it. (laughs) Uh, But I'm excited to study it and to see what we can learn from it, this this great book on the joy that we can have in the Lord, uh, especially from uh, a writer who is writing from a prison cell. Uh, So I think that's it'll be really cool to see what God will show us through uh, through that short book. So I'm excited about that. Uh, And of course, next week, hopefully in the morning, uh, Lord willing, depending on how the Lord leads, uh, I'll be back preaching also in the book of Kings in the Sunday morning service. Uh, It's been two weeks now since I did that. But anyways, all that to say, those are just free commercials. Um, So tonight, uh, I want to just kind of focus on uh, just a little bit of a theme uh, that I touched on last week as we were closing out the series in uh, Second Peter, uh, namely because uh, at the end of that book, if you remember, actually, uh, I'll just go there really quick because um, the last verse I thought was really interesting, and I think it actually provides the basis for what I want to talk about tonight. So Second Peter three eighteen, the last sort of charge, last sort of words of advice that Peter gives to these churches is an interesting phrase. He says, "But grow in grace." And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be both glory now and forever. And of course, that phrase at the beginning of that verse, but grow in grace, serves as sort of the capstone of what Peter's been talking about the whole time. Uh, That this is their duty, this is uh, what it means to evidence the faith, this is what it means to, quote, be the church, is growing in grace. And he's sort of been unpacking that very phrase through those first, uh, through both of those letters. And I think it's also an exhortation that Peter gives to, for them to commit themselves to it without sort of giving any uh, parameters on it. You notice that in that verse he says, grow in grace. He doesn't give it sort of a definite time frame. He doesn't say, for this amount of hours, this many days, this many years. It's, it's not sort of a set limit of of, of, of a time frame in which he says, do this growth or pursue this growth. It's actually sort of meant to encompass the entire Christian life. That as Christians, we are committed to growing. Uh, there will never be a day when we can say, man, look at I have arrived. I am a full-grown tree in the Lord, if you'll use Permit me to use that analogy. <laughs> we'll, we'll never get to that point, so to speak, because the whole point of it is you're always growing. You're always continuing to pursue this growth in grace. But I, when, you, when we talk about growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Peter there was talking about, what really is he talking about? Of course, we could examine his letters. Um, what is growing in grace Look like, and what does it actually mean to have this knowledge of Jesus and this knowledge of this grace increase and become greater? That's sort of what I want to unpack a little bit through this uh, different sort of message. It's sort of just a reflection on this 
idea of growing, especially as we see it uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. Because I think these verses give to us what I have come to believe in my heart of hearts, what growth in Christianity looks like. If you really want to sort of the pragmatic answer, the pragmatic answer is that growing in grace is sort of, uh, is commonly boiled down to what are known as like the quote, spiritual disciplines. Uh, reading your Bible, praying, fasting, I don't do that one enough, sanctification, confession, evangelism, no one got my joke about fasting, but that's okay. Um, it's alright. Um, I say it's a joke, but I, how many of you have ever fasted? Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever fasted, and I think that to my shame. Maybe I have, but just not by conscious decision. Um, not like, I'm going to fast for these amount of hours. It's, I just haven't eaten for 12 hours, and I was not very happy uh, after those 12 hours. But regardless, anyways, I'm revealing too much. Um, anyways, those are the commonly sort of uh, designated spiritual disciplines. That if you want to be a, quote, growing Christian, that these are the ones that you are going to pursue. So a growing Christian often is defined as a person who's reading more scripture than someone else or praying uh, a little bit longer than someone else, perhaps, or uh, so on and so forth. And these disciplines, I, I think, are good in the sense that they give us objectives uh, to pursue. Uh, we're very much, as humans... Objective driven. We like things to be in front of us, sort of to uh, tell us how to do certain things. They give us things to aim at in our spiritual growth. And the thought being that as long as we're pursuing these more and more, we're growing. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I also think that the concept of growing is in grace is obstructed by a lot of our sort of human tendencies. Um, and what I mean by that is this. Often we think of growth uh, and, 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 and being is this idea of becoming better. That we're uh, continually increasing and progressing in a way that we can look back and see our life in retrospect and look at all the ways we've progressed. And I think that there's some truth to that. Um, I hope that... When I'm 55, I can see the ways that I have matured in my faith. But I think that that word actually provides a better uh, sort of concept than just the flat term growth. And uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about because that's what Peter talks about here, or excuse me, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4. Here, I think what, when he gets down to it, he, what he details in these verses that Pastor Nathan Ryan, I'm going to read him once more. Is that this concept of Christian growth is a little bit frustrating precisely because its trajectory is different than what we think it is. Notice what he says in verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And the measure of the gift of Christ is an infinite gift. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended... What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same. Also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some. Now he's going to detail some of those gifts that he gave to some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, 
unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Here I think these verses give us a good picture in a good sort of counsel and encouragement and charge for Christian maturity. And by that I mean growth. Let me just give it this way. We grow up, as he says there in verse 15, by growing down into him. This is sort of what we hinted at last week, that this charge from Peter at the end of Second Peter 3 to grow in grace is really a meaning of having your roots sort of firmly planted into the, the soil, we might say, of God's truth. This is sort of the theme of Peter's letters, this theme of God's truth. And you can bank on this, you can count on this, this is the assurance that you can have. And so therefore, growing in grace means first and foremost a growth downward. A growth downward into Jesus' richness and fullness. Which, which then gives us the steadfastness to have uh, sort of our Christian maturity bloom and blossom, if we can continue the sort of <laughs> plant metaphor. But I think this idea of growing downward first appears unnatural to us. I know it does for me. I want myself to have lots of flashy signs of growth. But again, Christian growth is... As this one writer says, it's paradoxical. Listen to what he says. Progress in Christian living is paradoxical. We go forward by going back to Christ crucified and risen for us. Christian growth is often construed as a gradual upward path. And this picture is false. It implicitly carries us away from Christ and the liberation from ourselves that only his cross and resurrection can give. We are not called to progress in ourselves away from Christ, but to progress in Christ away from ourselves. And I think this is getting at the heart of what P oh, Paul, excuse me, I'm going to mix up those names. What Paul is getting at here in Ephesians 4. We grow up into him by going down into his truth, into the truth that he established at the cross. We continually go back to that moment, the moment we talked about this morning, the moment of the crucifixion. And there we find our dependence. We find the rich and abundant nutrients, if you'll excuse the metaphor, the rich and abundant resources that we have for growth. It comes in Jesus. And I think this is sort of directly opposed to what we naturally think because I think logic says that mature, growing Christians are those who have made sort of significant progress. And that, I used to think about this, that the quote, I'll use this word, more aged, the more aged Christians, they didn't have any struggles. They didn't have any problems. They're a little bit more sanctified. They've been Christians for 50 years. Obviously, that means that 
they don't have any problems. Isn't that, is that true? <laughs> Man, I, I, I want that to be true. <laughs> but actually, no. And I don't mean that to be cynical. I just mean it to be the truth that mature Christianity isn't about a, a, a length of time. It's about realizing how intimately aware you are of your utter need for Jesus. We've talked about this in our Bible studies on Wednesdays. That true Christian maturity is one who sees with growing clearness, growing awareness, just how desperately he needs Jesus. <laughs> A mature Christian is one who is always dependent on Christ. He doesn't grow away from him and say, look at all these accomplishments that I've made. It's actually backwards. <laughs> It's always going back to him. The more often we veer off into saying, look at all these disciplines I'm accomplishing. It's almost like we're getting merit badges. And then we have to remember that it comes back to Jesus. He's the one where our growth is found. He stimulates the growth. And he's the one where all of it comes from and derives from and revolves around. One of my friends, his name is Nick. He wrote a book. And in his book, he talks about this very thing. And I love how he describes it. I just think it's so fitting because he talks about how Christians grow in reverse, which sounds weird, but he explains it. He says, the more mature you in Christ you become, the more aware you are of your immaturity. <laughs> and isn't that true? The more mature you are in Christ, the more you aware of our, you are of your immaturity and how much you need him. And Christian growth, then, he says, it's not a progression upward from weakness to strength. True Christian growth is more properly to be thought of as a progression downward from assumed strength to acknowledged weakness. Christian growth isn't like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's more like spelunking in a cave. Spiritual maturity isn't about getting better and better and seeing fewer and fewer people around you in the pews who can measure up to the standard you are setting. Spiritual maturity is actually about the light of Christ Shining into ever deeper and darker unexplored corners of your sinful heart. It comes from being reminded just how much and just how desperately you need Jesus. Me, I find great comfort in that fact. Because this, I think, I see all throughout the New Testament. That forever we are exploring undiscovered corners of where our hearts need to be uh, reformed. Our hearts need to be changed and molded and fashioned into the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the work that his spirit is performing in us. From the day we say we repent to the day we die. He's performing this work on us. Shaping us. Chiseling at us. Stirring up our growth into him. Our growth downward to grow up into this one Christ as Paul says here in this chapter. Again, it's this awareness that everything good in you is because of someone else. This is the hard thing because I don't know about you. I like to take possession of the good things I do. I want the credit I want to be able to hang my merit badges on the wall and say, look at what I've done. But all the goodness inside of me is not because of me. 
It's not because of uh, how disciplined I am. It's not because of how faithful I am. It's because of Jesus and his grace given to me, which allows me to see I can do nothing good apart from him. And I think this is sort of the tension of the Christian life because we feel the necessity to grow. And it tells us all throughout scripture, it's a, it's a biblical mandate. There's tons of, of verses we could take you to. But I think for me, and this is more than just, this is, I guess, like a testimony. As long as we are assuming that the growth that we are required to demonstrate is, is on us, is somehow tied to us, we will always be frustrated precisely because... We can't affect the growth we're required to pursue. It comes from Jesus. It's growth in grace that's spurred on by grace. All of it is because of the grace we've been given. It allows us to grow as we grow deeper into this grace we've been given. I think about that chapter, John chapter 15, which is one of the premier chapters, if you will, on the concept of growth and fruit-bearing as a Christian, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and that in order to be called one of his disciples, they need to bear much fruit, as he says in the beginning portions of John 15. But I think the, the linchpin verse of that whole little story that Jesus says is John 15, 5, where he says this, I am the vine. And you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. A vine cannot grow, or excuse me, a branch cannot grow apart from the vine. As soon as it feels, and if you'll forgive the analogy, as soon as the branch feels that it wants to grow separate and apart from the vine, it dies. You pluck it off and it dies. It withers. It fades. It cannot grow apart from finding its roots and tendrils more firmly secured to the vine. And such is the point that I think Jesus is saying. That growth, uh, growth upwards is reliant on growth downwards into him. It's growth realizing and seeing that you can't do anything apart from that vine securing you, making you steadfast, and making you holy. Apart from him, it's utterly impossible. But I notice what he says in John 15, 5. But as long as you find yourself in me, as long as you abide in me, you will bring forth much fruit. The same bringeth forth much fruit. It's not like a a potentiality. It's a definitive fact. That those who are growing downward into me are finding out that they have more and more fruit to to give. More and more evidences of Jesus to demonstrate. And I think this is where we have this wonderful method and means by which we grow and mature in Jesus. Namely, that it's it's not uh, Christian growth, what it means to grow... Is not some scheme by which we are increasingly growing independent of our need of Jesus. <laughs> no, it's actually reverse. You're growing and finding more and more awareness of how much you need him. From now, my honest prayer as a 30-year-old pastor is that when I get to 60 or 90... I still want to be able to pray with all genuineness and heartfelt meaning... God. 
Have mercy upon me because I am a sinner. That prayer that the publican prays in Luke 18. I want to pray it now with all heartfelt meaning and passion because I know that I'm the sinner that doesn't deserve mercy. And he says, God, have mercy upon me. And he beats his chest. And I pray when I'm 60, I have even more awareness of the fact that I need to pray that prayer. (laughs) I remember, I don't mean to pick on the elderly, (laughs) but it was funny. Steve Brown, if you remember Steve Brown, uh, Key Life Radio, I met him many years ago. And he's just the most, I just love that man. He's, he's, so, he's so funny. Um, and he has a great voice. If you know Steve Brown, I imagine that that's what God sounds like. Uh, he just has this deep, rich voice. Anyways, um, I'll share a video with him and you'll enjoy it. Anyways, though, he, he always talks about how uh, he was talking to an elderly man when he was younger about how, you know, uh, about this idea of Christian growth. This idea of the, the battles that you're fighting when you're younger. And this guy says, it's not that I don't have them anymore. <laughs> it's just that I'm more tired. <laughs> he doesn't have the same sort of energy to, to, uh, to go after those things that he was struggling with as a younger guy. <laughs> and I think that's sort of the point. It's not that we, <laughs> quote, get better. It's that we just become more dependent. And I pray to become more dependent. And this is the message that is kind of reverse from the, quote, American narrative. Because what does America love? Independence. But actually, the message of the Bible is a message of dependence. Constantly relying on Jesus. I think it was the old uh, friend of Spurgeon, Octavius Winslow, who said that the life of faith is a life of blessed dependence. Such as this life that we've been called to, this life of Christian growth, this life of Christian maturity. It's 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 a deeper and deeper awareness that we are dependent on someone else, namely Jesus Christ. And we find our roots more firmly secured to that vine. So we grow up into him, as Paul is saying here in Ephesians 4, by growing downward into the rich soil of God's word. That's where the resources for growth are. This is what, as he says in verse 14, this is what allows us to not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Why can we not be tossed to and fro? It's not because we are so disciplined. It's because we find our roots so firmly planted in truth. God's truth and the one who is truth. It's him who keeps us secure. Him who keeps us planted. It's the vine that keeps us rooted. And this is the process that happens throughout our entire lives. Our entire lives are to be about this idea of growth. And in fact, I love what Alexander McLaren says about this. McLaren is one of my favorite preachers. He was also uh, active in the late uh, 1800s. And he says this. This is, so, I, this is so good and apt. He says, life is the best commentary on the, on the truths of the gospel. 
And the experience of life teaches that their depths and their power and their far-reaching applications and our growth in the knowledge of Jesus Christ is not a growing away from the earliest lessons or a leaving them behind, but a growing into them so as to learn more fully and clearly all their infinite contents of grace and truth. All our Christian progress, he says, consists in bringing to light the deep And far-reaching meaning and consequences of the fact of Christ's incarnation, death, and glory. (laughs) Our whole lives are about exploring, if you will. Plunging ourselves into, growing deeper downward into how that truth affects our entire lives. Affects your words and thoughts and actions and relationships. Your job, your leisure, your hobbies, the way you drive, the way you go to the grocery store, it affects your life. Progress in the gospel is progress downward, seeing how this applies to everything and how you can see your life as a rich testimony to the fact that he has been there all along. It's Jesus all the way through, grace all the way down. I don't consider myself an old person, but I do consider myself as someone who has had some experiences in church or otherwise. And I can tell you firmly and I truly know grace is real and Jesus is constant. And so far as we get away from that, we will wither and fade. Growth in Jesus is growth into an ever-burgeoning awareness that you need him. That you need him. That song, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. This is the life of faith we are called to witness. Called to evidence. I'll give you one last little snippet. It comes from, there's this guy, and I'm going to share it with you this week because I want you to read it when you have time. It's, it's this book of letters by a Presbyterian minister, and his name was William James. Um, and he wrote all these letters to different people, and it's so fascinating to me because I think there's roughly like 50-something letters in this book. Uh, you can find it online on Google Books for free, by the way. Uh, I'll send you a link. And what's so fascinating, I, I don't know any of the people that he was writing to. In fact, it never, he never, it, this version of the book doesn't include their names, Mr. So-and-so or whoever. It could be, I don't know, whoever. But what's so fascinating, if you read this, at least when I read it, it was almost like he was writing to me. Because there's no names, you can read it as if he's writing to you. And everywhere, what is he talking about? He's, everywhere he's talking about these, whoever he was writing to, they were struggling with their faith. They were struggling with their assurance. Sort of like Peter to those churches. And he reminds them where it is. It's in this Jesus who is always there for them. And he gives them this strong sense of abiding love all throughout these letters. And I love what he says William James, he says, I do indeed admit the necessity of growing and in the fruits of holiness. But I say further that this will follow of itself from your growing downward in the principle of faith. (laughs) Me, I find a lot of 
relief. In passages like that, in scriptures that we find here in Ephesians 4, which remind us that it's Jesus who keeps us from being tossed to and fro. Natalie and I could tell you, and I'm sure you could say the same perhaps, of the countless, well I won't say countless, the a lot of people in our life who have fallen away from where we knew them. People we were in school with, we were peers with. They were tossed to and fro by a lot of winds of doctrine. I don't mean that to prop myself up. It's not because of me that I'm still a pastor faithfully serving Jesus. I say that to say, it's because of Jesus. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm the chief of sinners. It's Jesus. He's the good one. He's ushered Natalie and I through seasons that I definitely don't want to repeat. But we haven't been shaken. We haven't been uprooted, I should say. We've been shaken sometimes. We haven't been uprooted. Why? Because the vine abides. The rock of ages abides. His name is Jesus. Therefore, our charge then as a church is to be a growing church. Grow in grace, as Peter says. As Paul is here saying, grow up by growing downward into him. And this is how I think we evidence that we are a growing church. Precisely by never losing sight of what the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 12. The one who is the author and finisher of our faith. He's at once the object of our growth and the gardener tending to our growth. (laughs) He's, He's the one that's inspiring us to grow and he's also the one that's tending to our every need. Cultivating and nurturing our growth. That's where our roots find richer and richer soil in which to firmly hold on to. I know this has been a little bit different. It's just me sort of confessing. But I confess to you that I, I want to be a growing Christian. One who forever and always sees his desperate need for Jesus. And may we too evidence that same need. More about Jesus would I know. Let us pray.